Hello and welcome to the South Carolina Lead. I'm your host, Gavin Jackson, and this episode was recorded on March 18th, 2022 from South Carolina Public Radio Studios here in Columbia. Just so you know, some of the information in this podcast may have changed by the time you've heard it. This episode features a look at some of the big activity coming out of the House this week, including details of the $14 billion budget that was passed in a day. And another major leader announced he will not seek re-election. We break down all this for you and what it means. In business, Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell discusses the interest rate increases that are happening to combat inflation. And gas prices continue to fall in South Carolina. Also, did you know that our state is a top exporter to Russia? We have details on how the current geopolitical environment affects this. And in medical, we have another report from Scott Morgan. It could be the right one this time. And folks, be on the lookout for our live taping announcement. I have some details for you right now. April 28th, Sumter. April 28th, Sumter. Put that on your calendar. Details will be revealed soon. But all I can tell you right now, April 28th, Sumter. My on Schechter. Maybe Mekinard. We don't know. But April 28th, Sumter. You can also call us and ask us more questions about this live taping event by leaving us a voicemail at 803-563-7169. If you are from Sumter, call us. We need to hear from you. It's been a minute, folks. But we will be out there later next month talking to y'all, taping live like we used to back in the good old days, pre-COVID. We can't wait to see everyone. But leave us a message before then at 803-563-7169. Now for the latest in South Carolina. Currently, the spread of COVID-19 is low according to county-level data from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. There have been 19,907 total deaths, and currently there are 1,465,739 total cases being reported in all 46 counties as of March 15th at 4 p.m. Our current percent positive is 3.8%. Now, I'd give you some hospital data, but it's five days old, so we're going to go ahead and suspend that reporting for the time being, as well as our vaccination data, which is just as old. Sorry, but you can find more details on scdhack.gov. Okay, so the South Carolina House of Representatives passed its $14 billion budget in a day. A day. It's a day. Now, lawmakers credit that to House Ways and Means Committee Chairman Merle Smith's accessibility and that of his staff who helped craft the budget. And also, like, um, billions of dollars in extra revenue. But really, more communication leading up to that floor debate equals fewer hiccups on the floor. And it was pretty uneventful as House lawmakers voted on all the sections of the budget over nine hours into Monday evening. One day, nine hours. There were only a few attempts to add provisos or temporary year-long laws into the budget, but nothing stuck. Better luck in the Senate. So the budget passed pretty much in the same shape it came out of the Budget Writing Committee. So here is some of what's in it. And there's something for everyone in this budget, might I add. But get ready for some numbers. I understand there's data. $174 million for state employee pay raises and health insurance premiums, $123 million for teacher salary increases, more than half a billion dollars for roads and interstate resurfacing, which, if you pair it with American Rescue Plan money, it's more like a billion dollars for roads. That's everyone right there. Everyone benefits. 
$350 million for a port intermodal facility down in Charleston, $322 million for college and university maintenance, which is paired with $55 million to hold down in-state tuition costs as well. There's money to deal with the public employees' pension shortfall and an increase in bus driver salaries and law enforcement pay. Now, all these pay raises come amid a super competitive labor market, as you know. Gotta stay competitive. A $104 million public health lab for DHEC, $150 million for capital improvements in disadvantaged school districts, $66.5 million to dramatically increase mental and behavioral health funding, which adds more crisis stabilization units around the state, and a psychiatric residential treatment facility for troubled youth at the Department of Juvenile Justice. And also, $31 million to upgrade park facilities and modernize camping amenities because those parks have been getting a lot of use thanks to the pandemic. Time to fix them up. I know our listeners know what we're talking about here. And then, of course, there's other things like tuition assistance for new EMTs, $4 million for boosting election integrity, money for veterans' transition homes, and fully funding the local government. And this is just some top-level stuff, lots of money. And that's just the budget, not all the other federal money that we've been talking about as well. So a lot going on there. And now it heads to the Senate, where they will craft their own version, and we'll see them hash out some differences in the coming weeks. Now, while this was big news, sending the budget to the Senate in just a day, there was even bigger news out of the House this week. As you know, last week we saw a major leadership shakeup with House Majority Leader Gary Simrel announcing that he will not seek re-election after 30 years in office. Six of those spent leading House Republicans. Then, on Tuesday, a bombshell. With House Speaker Jay Lucas announcing he would not seek another term after winning his first election in 1998 and becoming leader of the House in 2014. Here's an emotional Speaker Lucas on the House floor Tuesday, just after the budget was approved. Other than the marriage to my wife, Tracy, the birth of my son, Will, and the recent birth of my granddaughter, Addie. That's Addie. Um, You have graciously bestowed upon me one of the greatest honors of my life and I hope I was up to the job. My time will come when this session ends. It will be a time for a new chapter to be written for the House. I will miss you all so very much, but make no mistake, Mr. Smith, it is time. Thank you all. House Minority Leader Todd Rutherford of Columbia was elected to the House in the same class of 1998 as Lucas, and said the tense Confederate battle flag debate, which happened just six months into the job for Lucas, was a critical test of his early leadership and consensus-building reputation. Uh, And he does not get enough credit, and I've said this several times. He is the reason why the flag came down to a great degree. He called me long before the governor ever did, made sure that he had a veto-proof majority and that we were going to be able to take the flag down. He saw how important that was to South Carolina. I know that he would probably say that that was his most difficult vote, but it was quite an achievement for people here to not see racism um, at the front of the Capitol. Next to that is, once he hit his groove, every member of that body owed him a debt of gratitude. He, there was not a vote that he could not pull out of virtually anybody because he treated everybody like they were his brother, sister, child. Um, I remember we were in the back counting votes one time, and he asked me whether I could get two or three votes, and I looked back, I'm like, you go get them. They all love you. You go talk to them. Mm-hmm. You know, so it, that kind of attitude, that kind of persona, um, I don't know that there will never be another one like him. And I've served on the three speakers. He was by far the best one. 
Rutherford and House Majority Leader Gary Simrel both told reporters that Ways and Means Committee Chairman Merle Smith is expected to ascend to the top spot later this year in December when the House organizes following the November elections. Here's why Rutherford says Smith has the support. He listens to people and he'll be honest with them and tell them no. He told me no today, um, but he'll also tell you how he thinks you can, you can strategize to get what you want and how he's going to help you, or he's going to try and make sure that your bill doesn't pass. Uh, going back to when Merle and I fought about making smoking illegal in South Carolina. Back then he was a smoker and we sat beside one another and fought against one another, but always upfront and honest. And his leadership on ways and means, if you've seen how it's gotten shorter and shorter and shorter in times of our budget debate, mainly because he does it so much on the front end and talking to people and telling them what they can do and what he's what he is and what's not going to do. Um, so I think that's why he was just the natural ascendee to the speaker post. Now, when asked just minutes after Lucas's announcement if he was interested in being his successor, Smith said he was happy with his current job, even though people in the lobby are already calling him speaker. But Smith said whoever's elected to the top spot needs to continue Lucas's legacy of collaboration. Yeah, I think that's absolutely Speaker Lucas's legacy, is he's led by example. And so, and that's one thing when I took over, he wanted to make sure that we all continue that tradition of openness, transparency, and collaboration. And, and that's the enduring legacy, if I had to say, of Speaker Lucas's that he collaborated and brought people together rather than divide people. And that's a rarity in today's politics. Is that something that can continue, you think, on the next speaker? I sure hope so. I I would hate to go backwards from that. Our sharp-eared listeners may have recognized Associated Press reporter Jeffrey Collins there asking Merle Smith that follow-up question. Well, I had Jeffrey on This Week in South Carolina, where we talked more about these leadership changes and Lucas's legacy. Uh, you know, there, there were, there was the Confederate flag was one of his biggest debates. I'm sure if you asked him, he'd be very proud of the abortion bill that passed last year, finally getting through a, a stricter abortion bill. Um, there were some successes like the income tax cuts, another one I'm sure he'd be proud of. The road tax bill, I mean, he managed to get a tax increase through a do- Republican dominant house, which is not a easy thing to do. Um, is, but his legacy, I think, overall, and I wrote this in my story, is it's a kinder, gentler house. Lucas took over for Bobby Harrell after Bobby Harrell was indicted, and Harrell was not was a much different person and had a much different leadership style than Jay Lucas did. You know, Harrell played favorites and was my way or the highway, and you know, didn't have much to do. If you didn't have anything that you could do for Bobby Harrell, he wasn't as apt to have much to do with you. Jay Lucas knows what all 123 House members, or he tries real hard to. He knows their families, their likes, their dislikes. You know, he 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 cares. I mean, that's that's a you know. I think all those tears and emotion were because he's a very good human being who cares deeply about every member of the House and about the state of South Carolina. Yeah, a big consensus builder there. Like we said, a people pleaser, of course. Uh, and you mentioned there too the gas tax debate in 2017. A big proponent of that, a big person who helped get that pushed through was Gary Simrel. Uh, he's the House Majority Leader, and he too is also retiring after some 30 years uh, in the chamber. And that's you know this is just part of a wave that we're seeing right now too. Of I think there's about 10 Republicans who aren't seeking re-election next year. I've heard there's going to be upwards of 30 members total not seeking re-election this year. Uh, what's driving this? And maybe talk a little bit about Gary Simrel's legacy as well. Sure. Uh, you know, Gary Simrel is someone that has climbed up through the ranks, very well respected, has, you know, put in his dues and eventually got into a position of power. And to tell you how long Gary Simrel had been in the House, um, back when I was had a dark hair and was a young cub reporter, <laughs> my first encounter with Gary Simrel was in the late 90s when he was pushing a bill 
to increase the speed limit on interstates to 70 miles an hour. So kids, that was a long, long time ago. Thank God. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> So, you know, and, and 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 that will be a big leadership void because, you know, Jay Lucas is the 50,000 foot person over the whole chamber. Gary Simrel is the person that's keeping Republicans in line and making sure that the that the House runs on time and gets things accomplished. And it doesn't, you know, the, the Republican Party doesn't fall into factions. So his departure will be big, too, because that will be another big hole to fill that I'm not quite sure we know who's going to fill it. Mm-hmm. Um Overall, and there was some reporting in the state newspaper today that we're probably going to see at least 10, if not more, House members that have already decided they aren't coming back. That's before we even get to any primaries where some may lose or general election. And, you know, we're we're approaching and probably will be well past 10 percent of the House turning over in one cycle, which is a pretty big number. And there are people that have been there a while. There are people that have powerful you know, some that acquired some power, like Gary Smith from Greenville County is a representative, and he's more the kind of the leader of the most conservative faction in the Republican side of the House, and he's leaving. I mean, there's it's going to be a very different House come in, you know, in 2023 mm-hmm. with maybe one small difference, because I think we'll know who the leader is. So much more to that interview, and you can find it on YouTube.com slash South Carolina ETV. And like we talked about there, the two-week filing period for office opened on Wednesday. And while the leadership shift is noteworthy, it is expected that there will be significant retirements in the House. We will look more into that when filing wraps up on the 30th. And just up to Washington really quick, Supreme Court nominee Ketanji Brown-Jackson continued her rounds on Capitol Hill this week. She met with Senator Lindsey Graham and Senator Tim Scott, who said in a statement, It is clear that she has impressive credentials as a jurist, and I am grateful for her willingness to serve this country. As I have done for all judicial nominees, my decision will ultimately come down to a comprehensive examination of her record and judicial philosophy. I look forward to a respectful and thorough hearing process beginning next week. In a programming note, we will have live coverage of the hearings on NPR and SCE TV. Check it out. History, baby. The Federal Reserve Bank Chairman Jerome Powell announced Wednesday that central bank officials have voted to increase interest rates by one quarter point, with six more increases to come this year in a bid to combat our pesky inflation that is running around 7.9%. That means that interest rates will go from 0% right now to nearly 2% by the end of the year, which the Wall Street Journal notes is the most aggressive pace in more than 15 years. Now, supply chain disruptions are still causing issues for the global economy, The hot labor market has led to higher wages and a labor crunch for some sectors. And now we're seeing additional inflation pressure from oil prices due to the invasion of Ukraine by Russia. With all this going on, Powell was asked if there was any fear that raising interest rates could hamper economic growth. Here's what he had to say. I guess I would start by saying that, in my view, the probability of a recession within the next year is not particularly elevated. And why do I say that? Aggregate demand is currently strong and most forecasters expect it to remain so. If you look at the labor market, also very strong, conditions are tight, and payroll job growth is continuing at very high levels. Household and business balance sheets are strong. And so all signs are that this is a strong economy, indeed uh, one that uh, will be able to uh, flourish, 
not to say withstand, but certainly uh, flourish as well um, in the face of less accommodative monetary policy. So uh, I guess that's how, how I would say I'm looking at that. Of course, the objective is to achieve price stability while also sustaining a strong labor market, and that, that is our overall objective. But we do feel the economy is very strong and well positioned to withstand tighter monetary policy. Let's stay up in Washington for a minute. The U.S. House of Representatives voted 424 to 8 to suspend normal trade relations with Russia and Belarus. All seven members of South Carolina's delegation voted in support of the measure. That means that those countries no longer have most favored nation status and join North Korea and Cuba in that designation. Once it passes the Senate and is signed into law by the president, the United States will be able to add new taxes to Russian and Belarusian imports. Remember, Russian oil, liquor, and seafood is already banned in America. Mmm, you got to find your caviar somewhere else, which for us tinned fish people. Earlier this month, Moody's Analytics looked at how the sanctions with Russia affect the United States, specifically when it comes to trade. In fact, this is interesting here, Washington and South Carolina, believe it or not, are disproportionately exposed to the Russian market. This comes down to transportation equipment, like vehicles and aerospace equipment. As we know, Boeing has a massive base of operations in Washington, and the 787 line is in North Charleston. We saw the aerospace giant say earlier this month that it was suspending parts and maintenance support for Russian airlines. Now, Moody's goes on to say that even the most exposed states will still barely feel the effects of reduced exports to Russia. While South Carolina has been the top exporter to Russia in recent years, it only accounts for 1% of exports, making it the 20th largest destination. South Carolina's top trade destination? China. And on the way out, gas prices continue to fall thanks to declining oil prices. That's right, AAA Carolinas reports that on March 18th, the average gallon of gas in the state was $4. $4 flat. That's down $0.08 cents from last Friday, but still $0.69 cents higher than a month ago, and $1.35 higher than this time last year. So the lead says, slow down out there, folks. You don't need a speed, okay? You can listen to us on one-time speed, and you can drive at one-time speed, okay? Come on. So it turns out we played the wrong piece from Scott Morgan in our last episode. (gasps) Happens, folks. Nevertheless, it was still, of course, a solid Scott Morgan report. That being said, here is the piece we had originally planned to air from Disconnected, an occasional series from South Carolina Public Radio that looks at how South Carolinians are coping with loneliness and connection after two years in the COVID pandemic. I'd be surprised if you haven't heard the COVID pandemic described as an accelerant. But for this story, you get to think of it not as an accelerant of misinformation and distress, but maybe like a youthful spark. I'm not the person I would have expected I would have been one, two years from now, but I'm a lot better than the person I expected I would have been one, two years from now. Paige Dayton was closing out eighth grade when the world shut down. Now 15, she's closing out her sophomore year in high school. At this point... I'm definitely a bit more extroverted than I used to think I was. But whereas Paige says COVID in an odd way helped her mental health by letting her find her inner self and strength, 
her two younger brothers had a different reaction to the pandemic altogether. Paige's mom, Christina, says the boys deteriorated emotionally from at-home and hybrid learning. Eight-year-old Logan returned to in-person school in January and already has gone from disengaged student to crushing it. It was tears to get him to do schoolwork um, when we were doing it at home and on the computer and things. And now he comes home and he's super excited about various things and he bounces out of the school when we go to pick him up. It was Logan's brother, 12-year-old Liam, who took being out of the classroom hardest, though. He was begging and just, please, please, Mommy, I'll, I'll mask and I'll take as many vaccinations as they tell me I have to. And I just want to see my friends and I just want to go. And we ultimately decided that we could feel comfortable enough doing that, even though we weren't completely comfortable doing that. Liam returned to in-person school in the fall. And like his brother, he's doing great. But Liam's distress spotlights one of the pandemic's weirder ironies, how technologically connected and yet how emotionally disconnected school kids ended up having to be. 12-year-old Ryan Bussell and his 15-year-old sister Olivia are still putting their mental selves back together. It made it hard to keep track of the days, so you kind of felt alone in that because all your classes were really small. What really didn't help was that Ryan was just starting middle school when the pandemic broke out, so a lot of faces were new and only existed on screens. Likewise, Olivia had much the same detached experience, just one level up. In that fall semester, that was my first year of high school. So it was really odd and isolating to meet people and teachers in this environment where I just felt very distant from everything. I learned a lot about myself in the past two years. I learned a lot about my anxiety and honestly, my need for people. Uh, that's kind of funny because I actually found I don't like other people as much. You didn't think this would all be about teenagers who found a love for the wider world, did you? No. In fact, 17-year-old Megan Keener started the pandemic in her room, reading and keeping to herself, and found out fast that not having other people around was just fine with her. But while Megan is not fond of people, she is fond of person. And that would be her 14-year-old sister, Stacy. I actually spend most of my time with Stacy. Yeah. And so <laughs> we spend a lot of our time together, so there wasn't much loneliness going around. If not everyone found they were already living with their best friend all this time, the pandemic has made kids aware of how important human connection really is. And if adults are worried about what COVID-era separation might do to children in the long run, Olivia Bussell wants you to know something. Having this idea of the world and then having it thrown completely off kilter, I think it's important to just give us some time sometimes. Thanks, Scott, for that insightful report two years into the pandemic. You can find that report and more on SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org. Welcome to the wind down section, our little break from the news. We talk about life during the pandemic and we want to hear your stories as well. That's why we have a voicemail box at 803-563-7169. You can call us, you can leave your name, where you're calling from and what's going on in your world. We have sprung ahead. It's been a very difficult week for all of us. <laughs> you can talk about that. AT knows I've been coming into work a solid hour later. It's tough. I would. Yeah, Gavin's still on the uh, same time. I mean, 
I don't get jet lagged, but I am I am getting jet lagged by life right now. Yeah, I've I've never seen you the way that I see you this time. Because normally you're a chipper, you're a, like I'm the tired morning guy, and you're the awake guy. And um, it's, a, it's been a spiral of a it's, week. It's really not right. But anyway, Gavin, yes, we do have a hopper. Okay. Yeah. This is why we have it. You think we did this for fun? Twenty four hours does not change on DST. No. Always open. It's always open. Always there. Always I mean, always air frying something. It's always plugged in. <laughs> Yeah, it's always air frying something. Always got something in the cauldron. Anyway, Gavin, we're down to our last call. Ew. Ew. <laughs> so uh, it's, it's getting pretty dicey over there in the hopper. We don't. Weird. This is not what you like to see, okay? You hate to see uh, it. Yeah, I mean, uh, if no one calls, it's going to just reduce us to doing sound effects of our own creation during oh, yeah. the wind down now. You don't want to hear any more of my... <laughs> it's going to um, be scary, folks. I mean, if you don't want that, you got to call it. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking of some... Some noises that I could make. Like he texts like me all like hours of the night with these <laughs> what, things. What do you think about this it one? It just says silkworm, question mark. And I'm like, what? Dude, it's 4 a.m. A <laughs> uh, hanger and a dryer? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, let's get yeah. to this. It's a very recognizable voice. Oh. Um, everyone will know who we're talking to here. A celebrity? It's, oh, this is a cele- If you and I are celebrities... This is this guy is friggin' I don't know the queen. Yes, this is the queen who is alive. Okay, <laughs> so uh, let's get to it. You ready? Yeah. Okay. Your Majesty. What's up, Gavin and At and Se Lead fan? It's uh, Vince Cole Brugo calling on calling from on the road to Nashville. Um, the wife and I are heading to Tennessee for a surprise party for a friend, but don't worry, uh, we won't spoil. He won't get spoiled by this on the lead pod because I don't think he listens to the lead pod. So. We're good there. It's still a secret. Um, let's see what's new. Um, I've finished now three books in the Dune series. I've finished Dune, Dune Messiah, and Children of Dune, and I think those are pretty phenomenal trilogy right there. Always better than Star Wars. Um, yeah, I just had to get in that last little poop on Star Wars. Rogue One's really the only good movie in that whole series. Um, what else? The wife and I are actually about to do some antigen tests because as part of the protocol for attending these parties, we have to produce negative antigen tests each day. So hopefully we don't get a surprise, find out that one of us is actually carrying or is positive, you know, and then we drove all the way to Nashville. But whatever, Nashville will be cool. Um, hope the lead family's doing well, and I'll see you guys on Monday. <laughs> Your Royal Highness, Your Majesty Vince Cole Brugo there, folks. That's a little a little glimpse into Vince's life outside of the radio booth. You know, mm. he is a person outside of drive time for I all things know. considered. I'm not sure. I'm not sure about that. <laughs> I'm trying to be nice. I'm trying to be nice. <laughs> but you thank know? you, Vince. I mean, I, yeah. he really knows. He he has the office next to me, and he can hear me pacing in my office when I know that the hopper is low. He knows, he knows when I'm upset, right? Um, yes. And he mentioned Dune. Yes. Which, you know, you, of course, love reading the books. We love the movies. I saw a great thing that I'm going to send to you. It's a New York Times piece about the Dune sound production. You know, mm-hmm. They were nominated for a lot of Academy Awards, including sound. And it's just interesting about all that goes into making good sound and how it's that makes just such a difference. And I know you'll get a kick out of it because you're that a stuff. sound guy. I yeah. truly do love that stuff. You know, putting Rice Krispies mm-hmm. in the sand and then hitting the sand with them out. I mean, you just... Things you don't think about, but no offense that's to you, Gavin. To- no offense to you. No offense to the listeners. But if I had my dream job, mm. I think it truly would be like a foley artist 
in in the movies or something because I I really do love creating those sounds you mm -hmm. know like it's just a lot of fun to crack celery for all bones breaking and stuff like that <laughs> yeah. you know well we got our podcast coming up in the fall that's right we got some spooky Spook stuff spooky. I could break some celery <laughs> well maybe that's another, another prompt we can get folks to call in about again you know tell us about some paranormal experiences that you have maybe if anyone wants to I would love I would love for that yes and uh, uh, I mean I want as many spooks as possible mm -hmm. so if anyone has any spooks any yes. goofs any ghouls you can do this offline too we don't have to air it you can let us know we can yep. come check things out we talk to you one-on-one uh, -on -one. Just super interested about this because we are doing our little South of Spooky podcast. We got stuff going on, okay? So, so I mean, aware, if you, if you are you if you're aware of any unexplained mists, ectoplasm, <laughs> anything, rivers of ectoplasm underneath New York City, Vigo <laughs> the Carpathian! <laughs> what does he say in the commercial? Are you or anyone that you love experiencing signs of dread? <laughs> <laughs> so good. Yeah, we said it was the, the podcast is basically roughly modeled off of a... What's his name? Bill Murray's show in the second. Yeah, yeah. The, the second start of the second Ghostbusters <laughs> is like the aesthetic the that I yeah. would like to go for. Yes. yes. So that's just a little preview there, a little tease, a little taste. Anyway, Gavin, let's move off of spooks. Let's get to this weekend, okay? We've mm. had a tough time with Daylight Savings. Oh, God. That's behind us. But I hope. it's it. I mean, St. Patrick's Day was yesterday, but St. Patrick's Day is tomorrow. We're in the zone. We're in the yeah. we're in the green zone. The green zone, Gavin. What what's what are your plans? Well, just you know, um, just having a nice relaxed day, mm -hmm. sauntering about the grounds of five points the, uh, establishments and yield five points yeah. district, uh, which is known for its. Beautiful gardens and topiary, of course. <laughs> and fine establishments and the like, of course, for underage consumption of, uh, you know, it tickles the fancy, of course. We're going to be all above board here, okay? <laughs> yeah, no, we're, uh, we're, we're not underage. What, what, I don't even what's, um, what's your no, outfit look like? Uh, well, you know, it used to be something back in the day. Now it's just dwindled. With my old age, yes. things just start falling off. Mm -hmm. And I think I used to have, well, I know, I, I used to have this really great... Um, green sports jacket. Like you would get, like you won the Masters, which it was it's a very close. A blazer, green sports jacket. I found it. It came into my life. You like the blaze. When I was in New Orleans, I found it on top of a, <laughs> a newspaper uh, rack machine thing. You know, you open the, get your newspaper. And I was like, huh. It fits. It's a you know, it's street clothing. It was a jacket. I assume it wasn't, you know, in too bad a shape. There was no smell to it. Is kind this, of dry cleaned at some is point. Is this a sisterhood of traveling pants oh, scenario? Yeah. And it just, no matter who it is, it fits? Well, it was in my life for <laughs> several wonderful years. And then it it found its way back to the street. It disappeared? <laughs> I think I left it somewhere. Wow. I know I did, yeah. You know, you know, much is given, much is taken. And so now you really do understand uh, Bagger Vance, the movie Bagger Vance. <laughs> yeah, it just it's, came it's in through the mist mm -hmm. into your life, improved your life. And then when it was better, salute, see you later, bud. Don't be sad that they're gone. Be happy that it happened. Yeah, that's that's okay. a good that's a good and you way. You know, I apply to that to that. all facets of my life. <laughs> <laughs> so a lot of green. Uh, I do have a shirt, <laughs> a green shirt, with uh, Leprechaun from the Alabama, the sure. Mobile Alabama newscast, the notorious newscast. There, <laughs> everybody say Leprechaun, say yeah. yeah. So it's the drawing of the Leprechaun. I love that. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, say, that is yeah. an old internet video. Yes. Oh yeah, we're talking. Gen Z 1. has 0, no yeah. idea what it is. No idea. They're no like, idea. What is, why would that be funny? We had to wait for that to load on the internet <laughs> for a while. Yeah. On like E-bombs world. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, so uh, having a little bit of a, uh, 
a brunch at my home, you sure. know, because you know, we've been we haven't done this for two years. It's been a while, yeah. And, you know, I walk about a mile down to Five Points, which is nice. Get a little steps in. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe stop by your home. My house on the is way there. On, is on the way on back, the way. it's you a know. great bathroom uh, respite. A for great anyone. yard to sleep in. <laughs> <laughs> every year, uh, every year, something happens to my house oh. because of. Uh, the, the five points celebration, you know, mm-hmm. uh, one year they just ripped up all the lights in my lawn and dragged <laughs> them down the street and Caitlin lost her mind. And I was like, Caitlin, if we were in college, we would have done some stupid <laughs> stuff like that. too. You so. are like near ground zero, too. So, I mean, you, <laughs> you are fun. really exposed. I'm yeah. a little bit more withdrawn. But uh, still very, very walkable. So, yeah, hopefully we'll run into it. I don't think I'm going to stick around for Blues Traveler. No. Uh, I never really last that long throughout the day. It's just fun to go wander around, see the sites. I mean, you end up losing people. Half the time you're just losing people, looking for a bathroom, or yes. trying to find someone's phone. Which <laughs> I did have a friend lose a phone in one of those big traffic dividers, you know, like the big plastic ones. Yes. A little bit wider. But they're filled with water. Yeah, they're filled with junk. <laughs> but they just leave it. the water holes yeah, open. Yeah, the holes open. Yeah. And my poor friend Neil, his phone was right next to that hole while we were sitting there eating. And that baby kerplunked right on it. And, and he, he reached down. And you couldn't reach the bottom, right? And I was just, you know, my melodramatic self being like, let it go. You have to let it go. What are you going to do have, when you get it? It's going to be water I would have, There's no rice around here. I'd have dared him to put his face in it. Oof. But anyway, Gavin, yeah. I hope to see you there. Yeah, you can go to, to the yes. bathroom at my house. Oh, anyone oh, listening thank here? You. Anyone thank listening you. here? Standing <laughs> invitation. My toilet is your toilet. <laughs> have a great weekend. That's wonderful. Be safe. Folks. Have a good St. Patrick's Day. Thank you. Happy St. Pat's, folks. Wish us a St. Pat's and give us give us some luck of the Irish by calling 803-563-7169. There might not be a pot of gold there, but well, you're a pot of gold to us. You could also leave us a review on iTunes and stay up to date with the latest news on SCETV.org and SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org. And don't forget to support your local newspapers. For the South Carolina lead, I'm Gavin Jackson. Be well, South Carolina. Okay, now say your spell. Give them your, your spell. You have to now repeat after me, folks. You must read the scrolls. Do it. Join our cult. They're all there!